Welcome back to More Many Minutes for Doctors. This is episode number 15. My name is Catherine Vesnes. I'm the CEO and founder of MD Financial Advisors. And welcome to our topic today, contract reviews for doctors. Now, one of the many services we provide our clients is a financial review of their prospective employment contracts. Now, often our doctors know what they can expect for pay and salary, but they're not so sure about their other benefits and how they compare to the ones that they really want or what they really need. Today, we're going to cover these other items that are just as important as salary when it comes to comparing your contracts. Now, for further questions, or if there's something you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please reach out to us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media at MD Financial Advisors so you don't miss an episode. Now, contracts, particularly for doctors, can be incredibly confusing with their legal jargon and dozens and dozens of pages. So I strongly recommend that you have someone look this over for you before you sign on the dotted line. And one of the things that we like to do for our clients is dig through these contracts and create an actual grid, a checklist of things to go over to make sure that all the key points have been identified for you and you clearly know where you stand in these contracts. It also gives you a chance to compare offers side by side without having to flip through a bunch of pages. And very often the retirement benefits or the other fringe benefits can make a huge difference in these contracts. So let's talk about a couple of things we want to review in every single case. So obviously salaries starting point. Now, one of the things it's very important for you to do is to get on glassdoor.com or salary.com and put in your specialty and your city. And you will be able to see there a rough estimate of what other doctors are making. Now, granted, if you're just starting out, you're going to be at the lower end of the spectrum. But if you've been practicing medicine for a number of years, you may be close to the median. So I did this for a doctor once who was going to Atlanta in internal med. And his contract kept his salary the same for six straight years. By the way, I thought that was terrible. We don't want language like that in any contract. But... I did some online research for him and showed him that they were paying him about $25,000 less than the going rate for his particular specialty. And lo and behold, he took the information, goes back to the future employer and negotiates a higher pay. I'm like, woohoo, that probably made him about $150,000. So I'm hoping one of the things that you get out of our conversation today is how important it is to negotiate. So take a look at salaries, do some comparisons, so then you'll know where you stand compared to your peers. Uh, Next thing to look at are bonuses. There are typically three types of bonuses. There's a sign-on bonus, there's a retention bonus, and there's also uh, bonuses for performance. Now, in my mind, a sign-on bonus, you should get that the day you sign the contract. But very often they will call it a sign-on bonus, but you don't actually get it till maybe even sometimes up to a year after you've been at your employment. I consider that a retention bonus actually, because a retention bonus is supposed to motivate you to stay with this company. And after you're there with that clinic or that hospital, they will bonus you some extra money um, at a particular point. Once again, the retention bonus. Take a look too at the performance bonuses. And very often these are 
extremely complicated on how they're calculating performance. So get some details on this and then ask them the last two or three doctors they've hired in your specialty, ask them for a range of how much these doctors actually got in performance bonuses. You don't wanna know which doctors and how much, they wouldn't tell you that anyway, but you do wanna range and it'll let you know what you can maybe be planning on going forward when it comes to bonuses. Now I have found that bonuses is one of the easiest areas to negotiate if it's on the low side. So keep that in mind too. Next one, side gig restrictions. So very often there'll be language about moonlighting and this can be extremely important as we go forward because more and more doctors are going to be dependent upon side gig income. So there's a couple of clinics, Kaiser comes to mind, that will not let their doctors do anything that uses their medical license, even if it's in a part of the country where Kaiser does not have a location. Now, I don't want to give you an opinion on whether that's legal or not, but I am just telling you, I don't think anybody wants to go head to head with the Kaiser attorneys because they can probably afford some very expensive legal work. It's something you want to know up front. A common clause will say that you can do it assuming that your medical director signs off on it. So ask some questions, tell them you're thinking about a particular kind of side gig and ask them what their response would be. Once again, you just wanna know this up front because it can make a big difference down the road. Next on my list is relocation expenses. Uh, so a rough rule of thumb here might be $15,000 or so, give or take, maybe 20 for relocation and moving costs. Now, recent tax laws made this a non-deductible expense, unfortunately, because what was happening in the past was kind of a wash. Your new employer would give you 20,000 in moving costs, you deduct 20,000 in actual moving costs from your tax returns. So basically you didn't have to pay tax on the relocation money that you got. That's changed. That is no longer a tax deductible event. So if you're getting relocation expenses, be aware that it's like another bonus and you're gonna to have to pay tax on that. So one of the things savvy employers are doing now is they are grossing it up to cover the taxes. So in other words, if you are um, getting, let's say $20,000 or so in relocation expenses, they might have to give you an extra 7,000 roughly to compensate you for the taxes on that money. Uh, a lot of employers haven't thought about this, so it's a very important thing to bring up in your negotiations. All right, on to CME. I would say it's very typical that you're given at least a week a year for CME, and I would say $5,000 is kind of the going rate for CME now in the contracts that we're looking at. Once in a while, I'll see something incredibly low, like $1,500 or even $3,500. This is always a concern because it means that you're probably going to have to pay out of pocket to get your CME. Nobody wants that. So once again, it's a point that should be negotiated. Keep in mind that 5,000 is kind of a rough uh, starting point from what we see. Now, vacation days. These can vary tremendously. On the low end, I've actually seen some internal med docs or pediatricians where they only gave them two weeks per year. I think that's horrible. And those lucky radiologists, that's one of the reasons you may wanna go into radiology in the future. The first few contracts I reviewed, they were getting 10 and 12 weeks vacation. And I thought it was a mistake because I couldn't imagine that we were getting one week off a month in vacation. I was just 
completely taken back by it. Turns out it was not a mistake. That was kind of the going rate. And even if it was a mistake, I said, don't mention it. We want to make sure we sign the contracts and leave that in. So vacation day is very important. Sometimes they will give you credit for other places that you've worked and use that to increase your vacation days. Once again, this is an area that can be negotiated. Now, there's a whole bunch of other benefits we like to review, including retirement plans, what kind of plans do they have, what kind of matches, what kind of disability, and what kind of life insurance. Now, unfortunately, none of these are negotiable. You kind of take what you can get, but very important to know. And we use this information then to do some projections for you on retirement to see what your shortfall is. And also to look at your disability insurance to see if you've got a gap there and life insurance. So keep in mind when it comes to insurance, whether it's disability or life, you have to be employed at the time that you file a claim in order to collect. So in other words, you need to be employed at the time of death for your spouse or children to inherit your life insurance. You needed to be employed at the time you're disabled in order for you to claim under that corporate disability policy. So for this reason, we usually recommend people have their own private insurance on top of the corporate insurance because they can take it with them and you don't have to be employed in order to file a claim. All right, moving on to malpractice insurance. I've only seen one or two clients that did not have medical malpractice insurance that are included in their contracts. And you know, I've probably reviewed a couple hundred of these over the last 10 years. So almost always this is included. I'll be frank, I don't think they usually have enough coverage. So a typical provision might be that there's a $3 million coverage at a particular hospital, but that covers all the doctors, all the nurses, anybody that can get sued in that hospital. And if your patients are suing you towards the end of the year and they've already blown through their $3 million uh, limit for the year, your case could be um, restricted, may not get as much money. Now, rarely do I see this, but some doctors are so concerned they go out and get their private medical malpractice insurance. It's very rare. I can only think of that happening a couple of times. As long as you've got some coverage at work, it may not be necessary. Um, once again, double check, because if you don't, then you are going to need your own private medical malpractice insurance. Now, the next issue that's huge is non-compete and non-solicit restrictions. These are gonna vary a lot from state to state. Certain states, Massachusetts, California being two, do not enforce these against physicians. So you could leave any day and open up a practice across the street the next day and guess what? The state laws are gonna protect you. But that's not true in every state. So once again, you're gonna to wanna to look at state by state to see what the issues are there. And very often you may have a non-compete restriction that isn't valid. So for instance, if you're in California and your employer puts in this non-compete, I very often don't bring it to their attention. It's not enforceable anyway. I wouldn't bring it up. But a bigger issue can be non-solicitation. So very often in say California or Massachusetts where a non-compete is illegal, they may still have a non-solicitation clause in there. That may or may not be legal. And so here's what I mean by non-solicitation. If you leave your current employer with a right to solicit, you'd have a right to reach out to every one of your patients, tell them about your new location, your new, your new uh, 
business endeavor and invite them to join you at your new clinic. If it's a non-solicitation, you're not going to be able to have that right without running the risk of getting sued. Yes, it can be very painful. So we had a client recently and he's not at all worried because he goes, oh, I got past these non-competes. There's no non-compete in there. But I was looking over his agreement and I go, yes, this doesn't help you though because there's a non-solicit clause. He goes, oh, no problem. I'm just going to run billboards and send out mailings. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, in your particular specialty, I don't know anybody that chooses a doctor based upon a billboard ad. And furthermore, it's going to cost you $8,000, $10,000 for a billboard. And oh, by the way, if you do those mailings, I haven't checked on the cost of these in a few years. Last time I checked, it was $5 per address per envelope. Yeah, it can add up in a hurry. So whenever possible, you want to make sure you've got a solicitation clause that's going to protect you in the future. Another big area is opportunities for student loan forgiveness. If they do have these programs, they're likely to be taxable events. But once again, check it out. And you also want to look at possibilities for partnerships. Uh, mostly, I see these clauses as very vague. They might consider you for partnership in the future. That's fine. They're not going to guarantee you partnership. But you want to look at what are the costs of partnerships. Some of our doctors buy in for 10, 15, 20,000, some of them for hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending upon the partnership. So they may not put this in your original contract, but ask upfront a little bit about how that works so you can be planning ahead. And particularly you want to plan ahead if there's a huge buy-in because you're going to need some funds for purchasing into the partnership. They may or may not uh, fund this for you. Very often they will float you a loan to buy in, or maybe they have a relationship with a bank that would let you borrow the funds to purchase into the partnership down the road. All right, so those are a few of the things that we look at when we're looking at a financial or a business review. Note that occasionally I do come across things that I think um, need an attorney's opinion. And you're going, but Catherine, you're an attorney. I go, yes, I am. But this is not the kind of law that I practice. And if I come across that in a particular case, I will refer that to a law firm uh, to have them take a look at it. And sometimes we do want to bring a law firm in anyway, because they can help negotiate some of the terms of the contract very efficiently. Now, it's important to note that while we covered a lot of items in a job contract, we don't consider this a legal review. And as I mentioned before, we have a wonderful attorney that we've used in the past who is fantastic at drafting and negotiating these agreements. So let me know if uh, a legal review, review seems appropriate, then we would certainly send you his way or work with whatever attorney you'd like us to work with in your neck of the woods. So if you have any contracts you'd like us to look over, first of all, please send them to us before you sign them. There's not much we can do after you've signed on the dotted line. And we can certainly do our business financial review. And if it feels like it needs a more of an in-depth legal review, we can certainly send it to a recommended attorney. So feel free to email us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. And just remember to follow us on social media and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you found this article helpful, I hope you did, please forward it to your colleagues because you'd be amazed at some of the crazy agreements I've seen doctors sign because they didn't know better. 
So I hope you're going to send us questions and topics for future issues of our podcast, because you know, if you've been listening to this, that I have a passion for helping doctors. I want to help doctors have a life, a life with a sense of peace. And one way we can do that is help them bring a sense of financial peace to their lives. So they can go about living their lives, taking care of their patients and just having fun. I want to take that financial stress off of them. So if you'd like to reach out to us directly, or maybe you'd like a second opinion on your financial health, please do so by emailing us at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com.